0: This morning, if you will take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is going to be our key verse this morning. I want to preach a message on, oh, what a change. Oh, what a change that Jesus makes in our life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Thank you for bringing your Bibles this morning. I enjoy hearing the pages flip, you searching out. I was telling our Sunday school class, and, and I'm not saying this because I'm up here telling you stories. Don't believe what I say. Okay, and I don't mean that in a negative way. You make sure that the scripture bears out. If the preacher is offline, hey, take your Bible and come to me and say, Preacher, I don't think that you're on track right there. I'm not up here to lie to you, but listen, what's going to stand the test of time is what's written in here, right here. In the Word of God, so let's make sure that we everything we listen to, everything we hear, make sure it lines up with God's Word. Scripture says, Second Corinthians chapter five and verse seventeen. It says, "Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new." Last couple of Sundays, I've asked you to do uh, to examine yourself. Both times. Uh, the last two weeks, I've asked you to either examine yourself or take an inventory of what's taking place in your life. In other words, look inside of you to see where you're at. The first week, I was sitting there talking about the resurrection. If you'll remember, I finished that series. It's him, Jesus, and we spoke about the resurrection. A lot of people, I don't believe, recognize how important the resurrection is. They like to talk about the blood, they like to talk about the cross, and sometimes the resurrection's left out. Well, we learned a couple of weeks ago that without the resurrection there is no justification. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians five twenty one or Romans four twenty five it says Who hath delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification? The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us our justification. It takes the payment that was made on the cross with the blood, and that justification is what applies it to our debt. So it's okay to have that payment, but if it never gets applied, the resurrection and believing in the resurrection is what applies that blood payment to our lives. So I ask you to do something. That week, I ask you to examine yourselves to see what you believe concerning the resurrection. That was what the examination was. All right. last week we talked about something else, a little different, and one of the scriptures that I used, I said, hey, I said, the Bible tells us what? Know you not that you've been bought with a price? You are not your own? And I ask us to look into our lives and to examine what the most important thing in our life is. And if you'll remember, I gave us a couple of tools last week to figure out what is important to us. Now, a lot of times you can, you can ask an individual, what's the most important thing in your life to you right now? And, and I know a lot of people would answer, well, my family is. And then you begin to look at their life and where they spend their time, where they spend their money. Where they, when you look around their house, uh, where their thoughts are placed, where are their goals in life, or what they have collected over their life, and you realize they might say their family is important, but when you examine their life as a whole, you see that they may be saying that. That's a good answer. But when you see their lifestyle and the things where they spend their time and money, it doesn't come up with the same answer. So when we were talking about priorities last week, this is what I ask us to do. Examine yourselves to see where your priorities in your life are. Take an inventory. Where do you spend your time? Where is your thought patterns mostly based on? It should be, as Christians, our thought patterns should be based upon the Word of God. It should be based on our relationship with God. The Bible tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's as Christians, we should do that. Reminding ourselves of that scripture. What? Know you're not that your body is a temple of God. You've been bought with a price, and you are not your own. Sometimes we forget that. So I was just encouraging us to get our eyes back in focus in that direction. All right, this morning, Paul tells us in Corinthians also, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 15, it tells us uh, that one didn't show up on my page. Let me flip there. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 tells us this. He says, Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not that uh, know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is is in you except you be a reprobate. And in other words, unless you fail the test. So for me to say, hey, we need to examine ourselves, I'm not just making that up. I'm, I'm reading from the scripture. Paul tells us to examine ourselves. David even asked God. I love this scripture right here. Psalms 139 and verse 23 and 24. This is what David is asking God to do in his life. He says... Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in that way everlasting. So again, David asked that God examine him. David says in Psalms 26 and 2, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins in my heart. So I want you to know what I'm going to do this morning. I want us again, this will be three weeks in a row, that you've examined your heart, examined your thoughts, examined where you are, taken inventory of your life. So that's what we want to do again this morning, talking about change. Now, <clears throat> how many of you have ever seen those before and after photos? You know, I, I, I like those before and after photos Before the diet, you know, they take a picture. And then after the diet, they take a picture. Most of them that are published is a kind of husky person, and then they've lost a lot of weight, you know. That's the before and after normally. Mine are normally before 210, after 215. So, hey, and they tell me, you're supposed to get in shape. I keep telling them round is a shape. You know, I have to explain that to them. But you get these before and after pictures, you know. I, some of some of the other ones is, uh, you'll, you'll see this before they start working out. You know, you'll see this uh, little skinny guy up there and they'll have an advertisement, you know, you need to eat this powder, mix it with water and stuff. And, and then after, then he's all bulked up and he's Superman looking guy, you know. Before and after pictures. Or I, I have seen some people, they'll take pictures of their, House or something before they do a renovation you know before they do a renovation or maybe they're going to paint the inside or remodel they take a before picture an after picture it's wow it's brighter it's prettier it's roomier they do these before and after pictures before (laughs) I like this one before children (laughs) after children (laughs) you know or before teenagers and after teenagers, you know? Do y'all remember at the end of the presidencies, they will show the when the president started as the president, you know, he's got a head full of black hair or dark hair, and at the end of his presidency, I mean, it's almost snow white. And it's almost all of them are that way. And then I, and I hate this, you go toward Alaska, and they've got a picture of a big billboard up there. And it says, the advertisement is, don't meth with me. It's got a picture before meth. It's got a picture after meth. And you see, we all make choices in life, and there's always befores and afters. Well, see, this morning what I want to do, and I, I, I think it's a pretty simple message. What we want to do... in, in I want us to look at some before pictures and after pictures that we see in the scriptures. Before these people met Christ and after these people met Christ. That's that's what we want to look at this morning. Before Christ and after Christ. Now I hope you're not doing this little handout that I gave this morning while I'm preaching. I gave this so it'll challenge you to dig into God's word and look up these scriptures and you just put the letter that matches the event that took place. Every one of these, a person had a change in their life. They were blind, they met Jesus, now they can see. They were crippled, they met Jesus, and now they can walk. They were lepers, they met Jesus, and now they're clean. A woman takes her son out in a coffin, Jesus shows up and she walks back into town with her son by her side. Goes to a reunion between Lazarus and her her his two sisters, he is in the tomb and Jesus shows up and they have a family reunion. I mean, there's changes that take place. Now let me ask you, let me show you what I want you to examine this morning. This is what I want us to examine this morning. The scriptures tell us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, when we come to know Christ, old things are passed away, behold, all things become new. If you know Christ and if Christ lives inside of you, the change that has taken place, whether it was when you were eight years old, 30 years old, seven, whenever that period happened, there should be a before and after picture. Before I knew Christ, this was how I lived. This is how I thought. This is how I acted. This is where I went. After I met Jesus, after he paid my debt, after he came into my life, I am now a completely different person and I don't even look the same anymore. There should have been a change between the before and the after. So this is my challenge this morning. This is what I want you to examine. Look at where you were before you met Christ and where you are today after you've met Christ and has there been any change okay the Bible tells us if you truly know Christ and he lives in you there will be a difference now you know when uh, when you look at Wall Street now I I don't even know what the Dow is okay I, I know when they show it on TV it shows a little squiggly line and I don't know if I'm supposed to be looking above the line or below the line all I know is the line goes like this and it up and down and it has something to do with money and some people cry when they see the line down and some people are happy when they see the line up. I don't really understand what that is all about. But I do know this. A long time ago when they started this thing, it started way down here and now it seems like every other day they've reached a new high. It may go down a little bit and jump back up. Go down a little bit and jump back up. But it is a long way from where it started. When we look at our lives as Christians, we should be able, whether you've been a Christian six months, six years, 60 years, we should be able to look at our lives and go, you know what, I started here, and it seems like it's been a slow process, but I can look back when Jesus came into my heart, and I'm here now because I have grown in Christ. I have sacrificed in my own life to become stronger and look more like him. Because what we're going to see in these couple of little events this morning that we look at, these people are not the same as they used to be. They did not go back and do the same things they used to do. They didn't talk the same way. They didn't walk the same way. They didn't didn't associate with the same people because Jesus changed their lives now I'm hoping that you're have y'all got the picture here of what we need to do this morning because I I, I want you to know my Christian life started out here one right here at nine years old I came to know the Lord Jesus as my Savior and I I want you to know I just I remember it just started just steadily going up (laughs) anybody else do that? Yeah. Anybody else? They're going with the Lord. 18, graduated. 19, in the Navy. Come out on the other side. That's why we need... Hey, listen. Some of us may, as we examine ourselves, you started here and you're going to see yourself up here. And I hope that you look for the future, that you're going to see yourself a little higher another day. It may be we examine our lives this morning and as we're looking and we find ourselves, Ooh, I-, I hope that we're not on that down spiral. But listen, the reason I'm preaching this message this morning is to let us know we don't have to stay in a down spiral. We can come to Jesus he says in John chapter one and verse nineteen, if we'll confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants to restore that relationship that He's had with you in the past. He wants you to be able to walk and talk and be the light and the salt of this earth, so that other people can see Christ in you. So let's get right down to it. Turn with me to Mark chapter forty. Uh, Mark chapter ten and verse forty-six. we're going to go through these very quickly and then you'll have the message. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. I want you to know there's another page full of of examples that I could have used in the New Testament. All we're going to use is three or four this morning, but you could use every one of these on this page and see the same story of how people's lives were changed as a result. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46, a familiar story. O oh, blind Bartimaeus, and let's read it. it. says, And they came to Jericho, and as they went out, of, out to Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Understand now, this blind man is sitting on the side of the road, and it says, when he hears that Jesus is approaching. Now you have to read a little bit between the lines here. Well, how in the world did blind Bartimaeus know to cry out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me? How did blind Bartimaeus... I want you to know he was sitting at the intersection there in Jericho and people come by all the time telling him stories about the events that are taking place up and down the coast of Galilee there. And I want you to know blind Bartimaeus is sitting there. Somebody came by and told him about Jesus. Now I don't know if it was a paralyzed man. I don't know if it was another blind man. I don't know who came by and told blind Bartimaeus about Jesus. But it says... When he heard it was Jesus, he began to cry out more and more, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, thou son of David. Whoo! And they tried to quieten him down, and he would not be quieted. Uh, you know, and I understand in this, the Harvey and, and all the, uh, the hurricanes that have taken place, and, and you're reading about all the things that are taking place, place over on uh, Puerto Rico and, and all the islands over there. Uh, I'm telling you, when people saw somebody and they were in distress and they needed help, I want you to know there was nothing that would hinder them from crying out for help. They wrote it on the tops of their houses. They cried out. They, they made all kinds of racket because they needed help. Blind Bartimaeus knew that Jesus could do something for him. And he began to cry out. There was no stopping him. Verse 49, it says, And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he cast away his garment, he rose, and he came to Jesus. And I I want you to know, uh, if, if you understand the culture of then, back then, the garment, the blind man would sit on the corner, and he would throw his garment out in front of him, and his people would come by, they would throw their coins on his garment. And then as he would hear the coins hit his garment, he would pull his garment toward him and he would feel for the money and he would feel for the money and then he would take it and he would put it in his pouch. So he is sitting there, listen, and he's got his garment thrown out in front of him. That's the only way he had to make a living. But when Jesus said, come, I want you to know he threw that garment to the side. I believe, now here's Wayne Bickley's opinion, okay? I believe there was probably money still on that garment and when when blind Bartimaeus chose to follow Jesus, he knew there was fixing to be a change in his life. And when he threw that garment to the side, I believe you could hear the sound of coins hitting the pavement as blind Bartimaeus got up to go to Jesus because there's fixing to be something changed in my life. I'm fixing to see a difference. This little bit of money don't make a difference. I'm fixing to have a new life in Jesus. And I want you to know that's the way we it's God's people we need to see what Jesus does in our life. Oh, blind Bartimaeus got up. He went to Jesus, verse fifty-one, and it says, "And Jesus, and Jesus answered, and he said unto him, What would thou have me do for thee?" And the blind man said unto him, "Lord, that I might receive my sight." And Jesus said unto him, "Go thy way." Thy faith have made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight, and he went back, and he sat down on the corner, he threw his garment out, and he began to ask for alms of the people, and began and continued to beg. Is that what it says? (laughs) The Bible doesn't even tell us that he turned back around to pick up the money that he had been collecting that day. The Bible doesn't tell us that he even went back and he picked up his garment. The Bible doesn't say, hey, I've never seen my mom. I'm going to go check out and see what my mom looks like or my brothers or my sisters. The Bible said that when his life was changed, he followed Jesus. I'm just simply telling us this morning, that's what God wants us to do. When he made the payment for sin in your life, he changed your life. Our lives should not be looking to what pleases us anymore. Our eyes and our direction in our life should be looking at what pleases Jesus. Similar story. I, I want you to know one of the things that I notice in every one of these stories that we look at, or every one of these events, is the boldness of everyone that is healed by Jesus. Their boldness. And and you know what, I think it's still the same today. We should be experiencing, when you receive Christ, there should be a boldness in our life. I remember at nine years old, Mama led us out at the front of the school, and it was on a Thursday night that I was saved at a revival. We went to school on Friday morning, and I remember running to the school and running to Mr. Nearing's office. I had to tell Mr. Nearing, my principal, that I got saved at the revival last night. And I asked him, I said, can I go tell Miss Butler? Miss Butler was my first grade teacher. She was my favorite because she didn't paddle me. All the other teachers paddled me. But Miss Butler never paddled me. And I want you to know, I said, Mr. Neary, can I go tell Miss Butler? Because the bell had already rang. He says, yeah, you can go tell Miss Butler. And I ran to Miss Butler's class and I opened that door and her class had already started. And I walked in the back door and I said, Miss Butler, I got saved last night. And then I went to my second grade teacher, Miss Temple. I walked into her class and I said, Miss Temple, I got saved last night. And then I walked into my third grade class. And my teacher said, Wayne, why are you late? I said, Miss Baker, I got saved last night, and I was just telling all the teachers that I got saved. I sure hope you haven't got over your boldness because Jesus changes our lives and He desires for us to be bold. He changed me on the inside. I was not the same anymore. He asked us to be bold. Matthew chapter 20, a similar event. Matthew chapter 20, and it is so similar, told Barnabas, another blind man. And the reason I say it's so similar The only difference in these, this is two different men that are received their sight at one time, but the difference is when God, or when Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus, he asked this guy to come to him and Jesus never even touches him. He just speaks in his blindness. Your faith has made you whole. But in this situation, we see that Jesus reaches out and touches him. Matthew 20, verse 30, it says... (coughs) And behold, two blind men seated by the wayside And when they heard that Jesus passed by Crying out, saying Have mercy on us, O Lord Thou son of David And the multitude rebuked them again Let me tell you what You go to school and you start talking about Jesus And somebody's going to tell you to shut up Keep your religion to yourself You can do that inside the church But just leave it inside the church Scripture doesn't tell us These people that's their lives was changed did that Even when they told him to be quiet, it says there that they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And Jesus stood still. He called them and said, What would you have me do unto you? They said unto him, Lord, that our eyes might be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they did what? They followed him. They was living a life one way. One day, they met Jesus and they went and they started living a completely different life after Jesus. This was the before picture. They were here. The after picture, they're here because they're following Jesus. A difference. There's a boldness there when Jesus changes your life. Let's look at the next one. Let me tell you, this is one I bet that a lot of us have never even noticed in the Scripture. Mark chapter 7, verse 32. Mark chapter 7, verse 32. This is one who is blind, I mean uh, deaf and dumb. And deaf and dumb means they they cannot hear and they cannot speak. That's what that means, deaf and dumb. Mark chapter 7, verse 32. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech and they beseech him to put his hands upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude. I find that interesting that Jesus took him to the side. I want you to know Jesus was not there to make a public example of all that he was doing because listen to the rest of this event. He took him to the side from the multitude and he put his fingers in his ears and he spit, and he touched his tongue. Now, how many of you remember that event? (laughs) Stick your tongue out. (laughs) Can you see Jesus sticking his fingers in this guy's ears? I, I don't know. I just think it's kind of funny. But that was where the problem lied. He couldn't hear. He had a problem with his tongue. And I want you to know when Jesus touches your life, it changes your life. (laughs) What did Miss Gracie play at offering time? He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know, He touched me and made me whole. My question this morning is, after Jesus touched you, can people still see the touch that Jesus left in your life? Look what this guy done. It says he took him aside from the multitude. He put his fingers in his ears. He spit and touched his tongue. And he looked up to heaven. He sighed. I bet there's, I could preach on that right there. He sighed. He sighed and he said unto them, Ephrathah, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed. And he spoke plain. And he, Jesus, charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it and were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Oh, my goodness. I hope you haven't got over the fact that Jesus changed your life when you put your faith and trust in him and you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you accepted that payment, you believe that he rose from the grave and in a moment, Jesus came into your life, he forgived you, he redeemed you. I hope you've never got over that. Jesus told him, hey, now y'all be quiet. Don't go around telling everybody I've done this. And it said, the more he told them not to, the more they could not contain themselves. They were bold for what Jesus done in their lives. Are you bold about what Jesus done in your life? Or are you still doing what you used to do? Before and after look almost identical. That's what Jesus is wanting us to do. He's wanting us to look different. All right? He wants us to look different. You know what? I find this interesting. I find this interesting that it's as a baby begins to approach 10 months, 11 months, 12 months, you know what, if, if we don't see our babies starting to kind of lift up and try to start walking, you know, between 10 months, some of them start walking early. Uh, 15 months, uh, you know, somewhere in that time period, our children should start walking. Do you agree? And if they're not, you know what somebody's going to do? that. Somebody's going to run them babies to the doctor and say, look, I know my child should be at this point in their development at 15 months, and I don't see any development there yet. Can you check and see what's wrong? As Christians, <laughs> listen, we should kind of do the same thing. But you know what I have found over the years that We see people come to know the Lord as their personal Savior, and if they're still doing exactly the same thing as they were before they were saved, three, four, five years later, we as Christians don't think anything about it. We think that's normal. But when we look in the Scriptures, that's not normal. There is a boldness about these people who's had the touch of Jesus into their lives. These guys just couldn't keep talking. Well, they hadn't been talking much. Hadn't been talking much, but buddy, when that tongue got let loose, man, he began to talk about Jesus. He'd been going around telling everybody what Jesus had done for them. And they were beyond measure astonished. Man, they were were excited about it. Let me tell you, we should have more conversations about how great Jesus is doing in our lives than we should about the Astros' winning streak. We should be talking more about what Jesus has done in our lives than, than about a football player that won't show respect to a veteran that died on the, on, on the battlefield for him. But that's the talk that we have today. It's about those negative issues or what find, we find pleasure in. The talk that we should have is what Jesus has done in our lives. Let's look at one more real quick. Acts chapter 9. Turn with me there. Acts chapter 9 verse number 1. Acts chapter 9, verse number 1. I'll not read all of that. It's it's long. But what a change in this man's life. Again, I want to reflect on the boldness of this man named Saul. Let's look at the first couple of verses of of the character of who Saul was. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and desired... I want you to know, Saul enjoyed what he was doing and desired of him letters to Damascus to go to the synagogues, that if he found any in in the way, in other words, that believed in Jesus, where there were men or women he might bring them bound back to Jerusalem. So as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around him a light from heaven. He fell on the earth, and he heard a voice saying into him, Saul, so, why persecutest thou me? He said, Whom art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, in whom thou persecutest. It is hard to kick against the pricks. And he trembled. And astonished, said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and it will be told to thee what thou must do. Now let me tell you what happened. Paul met Jesus. Paul met Jesus. And I want you to know God gave him, or Jesus gave him, three days to think about what he had done. He's on the road, and he's going to uh, Damascus, and he's going there to arrest and to persecute anyone that believed that Jesus was the Messiah, or Jesus was the Christ. His purpose was to to smush out this Jesus guy that he didn't believe in. And as he's on the road to Damascus, Jesus meets him on the road. And Paul, or Saul, says, who are you? (laughs) He said, I'm Jesus. Oh my goodness, that changes my whole life operandi, my whole schedule. Wait a minute, you are not who everybody is saying. I I don't know if I believe this. God gives him three days to think about it. He sends him on into the city. He calls a man named Ananias. He goes and meets him three days later. And he comes up there and as he meets him, he says, listen, God has sent me to touch you and open up your eyes. And when he touched him and opened up his eyes, I want you to know, I believe it was at that moment, Paul goes, I have been so wrong in my life's thinking. I believe it was at that moment that Paul, or Saul, believed in Jesus. I mean, he didn't really know for sure. He sat there for three days without eating, without drinking, and when he had this dream that this guy was going to come and he saw what took place on the road, I believe. And when he believed, he got up he was baptized. He went straight to the synagogue. And he began to preach that Jesus was the Messiah. He began to preach for the very the reason that he was persecuting him. He had done changed his mind because Jesus changed his life. Do you realize before he left Damascus that he was so bold in what he was preaching? The Jews, that he used to be on their same side are now trying to kill him. They have to let him down in a basket at night because the Jews had planned to ambush him and put him to death because he believed in Jesus. Now, I want you to know that that same thing happens in our world today. Kiddos, if you go to school, now I know seeing you at the polls just this last week, it was popular to go to see you at the poll. It was popular. Over 300 kids showed up at the, saw you at the poll rally at the college that night. That was popular. But now when you go back to school the next day, it's not popular to tell people about Jesus. It's not popular to not walk with that same group that you used to walk with. Listen, blind Bartimaeus quit hanging out with the blind men. They did. The old lepers that were healed, that they walked up and down the street in in groups of lepers. Every time somebody come up the street, they would cry out, unclean, unclean, you don't want to come around me. Let me tell you, when Jesus changed their life and healed them of their leprosy, they never cried unclean again. They didn't even speak the same way anymore. They didn't hang out around the same people anymore because Jesus has changed them. All right. Before and after. Where are you at? Before and after. If you come in here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you walk out without Jesus Christ, I want you to know your before and after picture is exactly the same. You're without Christ. If you've accepted Jesus Christ and He has changed your life, your before and after picture should look different. And the longer we serve Him, the more your picture should look different from your first one. And that's, what, that's just what the Scripture tells us as Christians. That's what we should be doing. We should be sanctified. We should be changed. We should be set apart. We shouldn't look like we used to look. Because Jesus has changed our life. This morning it may be a good time for you to recommit to Christ. Maybe at one time you were on fire for God, and and maybe you know maybe your your line has gone kind of like I was talking about, up and down, up and mo. Maybe you're on that downswing. Maybe maybe this morning is a good time you go. You know what? I remember when I was truly excited about God. I remember waking up when I wanted to read the Bible, and now it's a chore this morning may be a good time to recommit and say, I I, want to do more for you, Lord. I want to do more for you. So we want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond to what the Scripture has said. I don't know what your need is personally in your life. I really don't. As the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this morning, if you need to respond, you do that this morning. Let's stand together. Father, I really do, I I thank you so much that you've given me the call to come and present the word, and I do, I pray that as we've opened up the word this morning and your spirit has been able to use this word to convict our lives, God, I pray that we will be pleased with the decision that we make as we leave this congregation this morning, God, I pray that we will be closer in our walk to you as we leave this morning and our lives have been challenged by your word. Now, you take this small amount of time that we've set aside this morning to respond to what you've led us to hear, and uh, I pray that you'll be pleased with every decision that's made in this place this morning as we sing this hymn of invitation, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.